0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This episode of Seahawks Man-to-Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3, to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep officialk9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on officialk9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details.
2: Welcome to Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You can follow me on the Tweet Machine, at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. It's right there on the screen for all our folks watching on YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, shout out to everybody who watches us on there. Uh, Seahawks Man-to-Man is the channel. It's the man, the number
1: two man. Uh, Chris Holler. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's Kid 206 Happy New Year, uh, everybody. Uh, first episode of 2023.
2: We're coming to you with our post-game show after the Seahawks just beat the snot out of the New York Jets. Seahawks keep their season alive. They are now 8-8 eight and eight on the season. Uh, This was essentially a do or die game. There were scenarios in which the Seahawks could have lost this game and still made the playoffs, but they were way too complicated for me to try to break down. So I'm glad they just won and made it simple. Uh, It is simple, Chris. All they got to do, beat the Rams next week, um, and then hope that the Detroit Lions, the mighty Dan Campbells, go into Lambeau and beat the green bay packers man something i I think uh, tim booth of the associated press told me in the press box that they the the lions haven't won at lambeau since like 90 no they're they're like three and something since like 1992 or some shit like that so it'll be very tough to for the, the the lions to go win that game but hey um the seahawks the seahawks they they have a chance they have a chance uh it's just them the NFC South losses is coming back to, to to bite you. That was so that was so it was so deflating. I think they lost the right to control their fate when they lost to the Niners. I think that was it. I think that that second Niners loss kind of mathematically meant like, all right, now you need help. And here's the help. You need the Lions to go win at Green Bay. That's a lot god, that's a whole lot to ask of that that a team led by Jared Goff. So god God bless them. But uh I haven't I don't know if can I start the year with a movie reference? Mike, this like is
1: it. our podcast. You can start, you can do whatever you like, man. That's true. That's true. I want to start a movie reference. Because I think that this
2: I've probably used this movie reference before because it's so apt. It's almost it's, the Seahawks today were like that the, the end of both the bad boys movies. It was like at the end where uh, they're driving, and he tells Martin Lawrence, from now on, that's how you drive. And then the second one, he tells them, from now on, that's how you're supposed to shoot. It's one of my favorite joints. That's the Seahawks today. I was like, I talked to so many guys in the locker room today, and then we're all just like, that right there. That's Seahawks football. Special teams, even though never kick action from Jason Myers. Um, special teams, otherwise, was, was, was pretty solid. Um, special teams, uh, running the ball, stopping the run, and then getting the turnovers. All of that. They were just like, that's how we need to play. From now on, that's how we that's how we play. That's what it just felt like. Everybody was like, yes, that's Seahawks football. I was talking to uh, Quinn Jefferson. He was like, look, if we play like that, we get in the playoffs, we can do something. You know, DJ Dallas, he was like, I think we're back. We're back, baby. You know, we're here. We got it. You know, like we're going to handle our, handle our duty. You know, some other guys were a little bit more modest with their their proclamations, but they still have felt the, s- the sentiment was all agreed upon. In the room. That's how. You play. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It's like, that's how you play. You run all over them. You stop them from running all over you. And eventually you'll win the game. You'll have more points than them at the end of the day. Generally speaking. It can be some other fluky shit. But as long as your special teams is good, too, like those three things. Boom, boom, boom. That's from now on. That's how they should play. It helps when you play the Jets. But still, like, you just want to see it. You just have to see it. You know, they uh, Pete Carroll... P. Carroll showed them clips on Monday of the second half against the Chiefs for a bunch of reasons, because they all watch film together all the time. But it really was just the second half in particular. Like, look, guys, that's our ball right there. Look at the screen. Like, look, that's you guys doing it. It's okay. one thing to show like old clips of some other shit or just yell at guys or speak it, into, you know, just speak it into existence. Man, no, put it on tape. Let them see how it's supposed to look. OK, look, guys, that's you blocking this type of run right here. Do it like that every time. All right, guys. Here's you guys stopping this particular type of run. Do it like that. Like that's you guys on the screen doing it, and then that you could tell that that helps. And now they have a full game of that. In some aspects, the receivers don't need to see none of this film, but like everybody else, yeah, that's how you're supposed to play. Uh, and that's that's really encouraging because if they'd have, if they'd have been bad, Chris, if like let's say they had a game where like. Uh, What's a good example? What's a game where they won, but got ran all over and didn't run it really
1: well? They hard? didn't get, ra- oh, I guess you could say the Lions, you know,
2: maybe not. Okay, so uh, the Raiders and the Panthers games, I know they really lost both of those games, but still, if they had a game like that, even if they let's say they have a game like that, but win like win a shootout, you know, um, or something like that. So I wouldn't have felt very encouraged, like winning is winning, but like that in a shootout where like Gino has to carry you as, as good as Gino has been and he can carry you in any, in any given game. Cause he's been very good. Like I think just because of how the last few games have gone, they needed to win like that. They just need to play like that. Win or lose. He just needed to play like that. They need to, all right. Somebody's trying to punch you in the mouth with these runs. Shut that shit down. All right. Now go run it on them. You know, they just, they needed that. Cause as much as, we have criticized fairly, to be very clear. Like their style of play over the years and Pete Carroll to running the football stuff. He's he goes over, overboard a little bit. At the end of the day, who they want to be can work. They just ain't been doing that shit. You know, I've been i telling people in the in the building, you know, for like a month, like, bro, how you guys not running the ball and all summer you got hats, you guys are wearing hats that say run the damn ball in caps. It's like, what do you like? That's who you guys want to be. How you just not do it? Um, or then, if you do it, hey, you just not do it good, you know. So you eventually gotta be the be the team that you you say you're gonna beat And they did that today. They they they, they, kicked, they kicked the Jets ass up front, you know. I've I've i only talked to a few people, Jets people, who read a few things. Jets land. They should be pissed. They got their ass kicked, you know. Like this this is good old passing and, and They did it in the in the way if they need to, because this is how they're gonna have to win going forward. So, um, Gino's gotta be better guys gotta catch the ball get open but run the
1: ball stop them from running it and you can have this version of the Seahawks can have some success I was was happy to see that yeah I thought they played an okay game I guess I'm gonna be the, the guy that shoots it all down here quite a little a little bit just because I still saw some things that you don't want a playoff team to happen to have especially When they do want to make this postseason run, they still believe they have a chance at a Super Bowl. There are still some things that when I watch the game, yeah, that's going to have you guys out in the first round. (laughs) One of them is scoring touchdowns. In the second half, they did not score a touchdown. Now, granted, Mike and I talked about this ad nauseum especially with our guest who covers the jets we talked about how good their defense what was the name again mike Z- uh zach yeah zach. Oh, yeah uh, shout out to him Zach Rosenblatt. yeah he we, we talked to him about the challenges and they get stingy in the red zone but we talked about off wax mike Let's see i'm throwing the football why not stick to something that mike talked about that they were doing well and trying to at least run the football more consistently in the red zone although i think maybe it was a a challenge, a challenge to to see if Tariq really liked that. And he, he, or not Tariq, excuse me, Sauce Gardner's really liked that. And I think he stepped up to the challenge, Sauce did, and the Seahawks Mm -hmm. didn't back down from saying, okay, that's great that you're this talented corner. We're still going to try to throw the ball at you. If I'm not mistaken, the touchdowns that were thrown were not on him, but the ones that were attempted to be thrown, attempted touchdowns, were not caught. (laughs) So as you can see there, Attacking sauce doesn't work out, but going away from him, it does. Kobe Parkinson had a nice corner route for a touchdown. Right, and okay, right. who was the other t- – where am I drawing the blink of the other touchdown? Tyler Mabry. Yes, the tight end, Tyler Mabry, off the practice squad. Shout out to him. That was dope that's seeing everyone squad. jumping around him, hulling up. But those are the, that's a concern for me is the fact that in the second half, they were only managing field goal after field goal. And Mike's never kick. I see why you don't want to kick the football, Mike. My goodness, just make the field goal, and it's 26-6. to 6. Regardless, though, you guys, the Seahawks need to score a touchdown. They have to put their foot on the other team's throat. And in that scenario, scoring a touchdown, I think, would have sent the message like, damn. Yeah, we're, we're a good defense, but Geno Smith and DK, they're a problem. And to be fair, DK had a, a great fade route that was maybe thrown a little too high. Maybe DK should have caught it you can go 50 50 on that the play should have been made and that should have been a touchdown i love that call it just wasn't executed they didn't they didn't come up with the catch there right and they're gonna get opportunities to do that again so next sunday against Jalen ramsey i expect them to try it i know Jalen ramsey is he understands the game more than sauce he's played it more he's seen him he's seen dk more so maybe he's expecting it but If you throw it like that, I don't know how anyone stops that back shoulder fade. That's a really tough pass to defend unless the corner just knows exactly it's happening. But you can't defend it. You can't defend it. (laughs) Well, there it is. So that was something concerning. And then also third downs. They went 5 of 15 on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Granted, the Jets were just awful. They were, I think, 3 of 12 or 4 of 13. So that was shout out to the Seahawks defense for getting off the field and just Mike White just not being able to throw the football much on Sunday, but those are things that concern me just looking ahead, especially when we talk about you know, last week. eh, They're not looking like a playoff team, and then on Sunday they're figuring out things and they're getting back to it. I mean, I think Quandre said it best. I forget what the question was, but he basically said, look, I'm not going to say the defense is back or anything like that. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because I don't want to get it all wrong on what he said, but basically he said, we're going to take it week by week. Right now we do what we need to do and got the win on Sunday. Next week we'll go into it with that same mindset and build on that. And that's where I'm kinda out with it. Okay, Mike, you agree? You say that, hey, they got back to the basics and got things handled up front, especially offensively, running the football, check, defense, okay, got off the field, we'll do their part. Now can this offense in the red zone put up touchdowns and not field goals because against a team – Let's see who's a hot team in the NFC. That okay, the Cowboys, for example, you got to be able to put up some points, especially yeah. with that defense. You gotta, you gotta be able to find ways to score, and three is not going to be enough. That could be a game if the Seahawks do matter with the Cowboys. I don't know how pos- the possibilities on that, but let's just say hypothetically they do. You can't really rely on just oh, we need three points here and there. It'll be a game similar to the Chiefs where it's fourth and seven, man. Uh, we have to go for it because you need those. You need touchdowns to keep up with Dak and that offense or just to not get destroyed by that defense. And so with all that being said, that's what still concerns me is the third down conversion rate and the fact that they weren't able to score in the red zone. I thought the pass rush came alive a little bit today. Although Mikey broke down looking at Daryl Taylor sacks eh, at the end of half and at the end of the game. So technically if you want to be real stiff with it, you give him one good sack. But other than that, Quentin Jefferson, he had a big play on Sunday and that's that's good. That's what you want to see. Nawosu, he was effective and tackles for loss, and he, he was just doing his thing out there. And I like what I saw from Cody Barton, especially with Jordan Burks going down late in the game. And he's going to have to build on that because from this point on, it'll be Cody Barton and company. He's going to be the new leader of this defense. And it's going to be tough for him, but spotlight's on him now, and he's going to have to perform. And I thought, I think I touched on it earlier in the season when I said that Cody's going to get better. I think, and he did. <laughs> hey, I got to put the thing out there, man. I can't be, oh, yeah, Cody will be good, and then he's just ass, and that makes me look stupid. But the fact that I know that Cody knows what's going on with the system, he's been around it, and he's played the game, he just had to get comfortable with it. He's been thrusted into the starting lineup. When they didn't bring back Bobby, it was him and Jordan, and teams were just attacking him. But now he's comfortable in the system. He knows what he needs to do. But now he's just going to be running the defense, which in his, po- in his post-game conference, he talked about, How he, when Jordan gets the call, he mimics it back. So he has that understanding of it. He knows what to expect, but now he's going to get that test on for sure against Sean McVay and that new Rams offense with Baker Mayfield. So that'll be fun. But those are things I want to look at just, hey, third down conversions and in the red zone, can they be effective in score touchdowns? Because they're going to need to do that if they want to be a competitive playoff team.
2: Yeah, no, those are legitimate concerns because that's situational football. Situational football is what wins you games. You keep the ball on third down, move the chains, and then score touchdowns in the red zone. Like, those are, that's not even no small shit. That's big shit.
1: (laughs) There are two, two for five
2: in the red zone today.
1: Yeah, two of five. Yep. It
2: was a bad red zone day. Um, I gave credit
1: to that Jets defense. I'll I'll be honest. It, we talked about it. We knew it would be tough, but I I will say it should, it should be three of five. That fade should have been a touchdown. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean their defense is good. Like it 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 is. It's it's
2: legit. Like Sauce and DJ Reed are the best. That's the best cornerback tandem in the league. Like they 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 cover deep, they tackle, they can cover short stuff, they strap up in the red zone. Um uh, they, they're really physical. I know there was some plays that people wanted to be called DPIs. I the only one I really saw that was clear DPI was that linebacker just smoked DJ Dallas on the wheel route. I don't know how they didn't call that. Just completely knocks him off course. I don't know. And the ball's in the air. I was like, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> you guys working today? <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. It was just like he just he just runs. He just runs into it. Was I think of CJ Mosley, who's fifty seven. was CJ Mosley? Um, either anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, no, the Red Zone defense is solid. Yeah, Seattle does have to be be better there. Like, there's some definitely. we're going when to watch that film, and be like, "Damn, we only scored twenty three. We should have had a forty ball in these."
1: Guys. Yeah, those are they're gonna look back and see the little things that they could do to put up forty against a. Offense with the Jets that just couldn't do anything against the Seahawks defense. Yeah, I do like that they were able to run the ball when that wasn't the case.
2: Yeah, you know because okay. like, I, I think you. Gino threw. I tweeted it out. What did I say? Gino threw for 183, I believe, and he had and threw for 10 first downs. And they but they ran for 194 and design ran, and nine first downs. Yeah, nine design run first downs. So taking out any scrambles. I think Gino only had two, but you get the point. And so, shout out that uh, QB draw to the left. Josh oh, Allen esque. Well, that was a great call. Well, my 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 point of reference for that play is the Alex Smith running it against the Saints in the playoffs. I want to say like 2011, or like a third and seven. Um, I think he scores a touchdown on it too. Uh, just it's just a I lo- I've always loved that 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 play call too, and that was like a go for it situation too because I think it was like third and four. So if they if they were a place where if they didn't get it, they probably could have gone for it. Gone for it. Yeah, because I, so I I love that play call. Yeah, but they they got to be better. They got to be better on that. But I do like how they were able to just run the, the like. Put it this way: a team took away their
1: strength, throwing it. DK,
2: <laughs> yes, and Tyler. Tyler only had two catches for fifteen yards. Ah,
1: uh, Tyler was on a bum leg. Is he? Was he? How? When did he get hurt? When did he get banged up? Uh, he didn't Second play the, the final two drives of the first half, Tyler did not play.
2: Ah, uh, okay. All he right. played All one right. snap. He played one snap on the final two drives. So they went three and out, and then he he his only snap was the third down sack. And then the whole final drive of the second half, or excuse me, the first half, he didn't play. That's why they kept throwing it to Kate Johnson because Tyler wasn't on the field. So, and then he didn't play. I don't think the whole third quarter.
1: He that did not. Saying. He came in late in the fourth, and then that was it. Yeah. He had so he didn't play off,
2: much, but, but, but still, like he he two catches, fifteen yards is very like that's that's not that's not Tyler.
1: So you got.
2: So, but a team took away that and they were able to, all right, cool. We're going to put, we're going to put the ball in Ken Walker's stomach and we're going to get busy. Even DJ Dallas. I think they, those two combined for what's like 180 yards or something like that. Uh, Ken had 133, DJ had like 43. So like those two, those two got it, got it done. So I, I thought that that, that was
1: encouraging,
2: you know, uh, for me, but yeah, I, I do think they've had too many games this year though, where DK and Tyler get shut down, which is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, one yeah. of them has to go off. Can't have both struggling. Yeah,
2: Someone's yeah, yeah. Ain't, ain't that out. where you can just double both of them every
1: play? Like, that's just. Hey Shane, yeah. if you need an assistance, uh, if you need a what's the new title that I could have? If you need a passing game assistant coordinator, call your boy up, man. I got some, I got some sauce for you.
2: Yeah, uh, no, they, they they need some <laughs> assistance there. I mean, but like, the thing I'm encouraged by is that I still don't know if they're a playoff caliber. Team because you have to be able to do these type of things multiple weeks, like Quandre was alluding to. Um, a one-off against a team that stinks. Um it is bad. But I do I do like that their back was against the wall today and they and, and they played like it. Both Responded. teams needed both teams needed to win the game. Like the Jets were still alive when at kickoff, like they they prepared all week, like okay, we got this. We got our boy Mike White back. We we straight, we're gonna move the ball. You know, we got rid of that Zach Wilson dude. Zach was inactive today, it's crazy. Um and they scored six points, you know, like they were no better with Mike White than they were with Zach Wilson. It's almost like the problem is not just the quarterback,
1: but I almost uh, tweeted. Yeah, I, does, Joe, does Joe Flacco get some playing time Sunday? Sheesh.
2: I mean, I thought Mike White was going to die back there. Yeah, he was, he, was getting, he was getting roughed up, man. Tough dude. Mike White's tough as hell. Good, good, good for him. But yeah, no, nah, man, it was uh, the Seahawks were encouraging. They encouraged me in that regard too. just the fact that they, they, they played like they needed to win the game. Even if they if they didn't get the outcome, you know, one of both both teams played hard. Bullshits like they they did. They fought like a team that like really needed it. Whereas the Jets looked like they clinched three weeks ago, you know, or were eliminated three weeks ago, one way or the other. They just looked like
1: they didn't care about. That you know game what? I'll say this: the Jets' offense looked like they clinched three weeks ago. The Jets' defense looked like they were ready. It didn't matter. <laughs> the and game they got, was going one facet because they got ran all over too. They almost gave up 200 yards rushing that's pretty bad we like, got that 60 yarder then we then we could talk
2: it give 60 yard been, but you're right yeah without the 60 <laughs> yarder it's like 100 and it's which is not it's not it's great but 30 yards on the ground which is yeah. yeah not the it's not it's not the end of the world uh so yeah it, credit to seahawks though for for like all week guys told me like we have it figured out like second half against the chiefs we got it we got it we got it and i was like all right cool i'm gonna write that all right cool I'll, we'll see and they wouldn't handle it they went and ran the ball stopped the run there was no explosive runs after the third after those first three mm, the first yep. two guys. none after that you know so they, they shut that shit down tackled better said so there was some things to be encouraged by you know like they the stuff that had been bothering them they fixed and you know what i like that <laughs> go watch the film <laughs> fix the shit and they, 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 and they did so man good good for them man like you're still, you're still in the position where you gotta help you need help from other teams, and that's the worst spot to be in, man.
1: Yeah, because you never when you, know
2: where you're gonna need that help from, and yeah. now you need the Lions, you need the Lions to go to Lambeau and win a game, dog.
1: Oh, yeah, and the, the Packers have seemed to turn some type of corner, they're playing really good defense, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers is doing okay out there, so that's. That's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, and it's,
2: it's just Lambo in January, man. It's just not a place that people just want to play, you know?
1: And I'm guessing the high will be somewhere around 15, 20 degrees. I mean,
2: there's guys who are living in Detroit, so it's not like they're, you know, unaware of the elements, but still, it's just... It's Lambo, like it's, you said. Exactly. It's got that aura, man. It's tough. I mean, Rush did, Rush has had bad games at Lambo. man. It was worst games there. So,
1: yeah, man. They don't be... have Devonte Adams, so there, there, there you go. Yeah, problem
2: is, though, like, they just... Like you said, they just—they're they're clicking. The Packers are clicking right now, so that's that's—that's that's tough. You don't want to be, you don't want to be the team waiting for other people to win games or lose games or whatever. You want to be able to just win and handle your business. And they—they they gave up the right to do that by losing some games they shouldn't have lost. Yeah, was, NFC South. Yeah, the whole NFC South really shouldn't have lost to none of them teams, but yeah, that's it what it is. When you do that, now the
1: Packers, now the Packers can sneak in and and, and get you. So. Yeah, man, that, that's. I thing. know this. I know this is off topic before we get Twitter questions, but is this the first time that Pete Carroll has been swept in an NFC conference division like that? Uh, I'd have to go back. That's a good question. I do, I'd have to go back and look that up. I could. I thought about. it. I was like, hang on. I don't think this has ever happened to Pete. And if it has, then damn. But I don't think so. I don't think Pete's been swept just in an NFC division like that
2: uh yeah i know last year they played the nfc north they didn't get swept there because they beat the lions the year before that they played the nfc east and they didn't get swept there because i think they beat the eagles uh and they beat the cowboys i think um no they lost to the Cowboys. i can't remember now but so yeah i don't think this has happened that's that's really tough Right, do right get swept <laughs> like that so i'd have to i'd have to go back i'd have to go back i could probably do it but just not currently
1: no you're fine and then the best part look at those teams <laughs> teams is ass man <laughs> yeah that's the thing is you lost to the uh i think it was a uh, it was larry Larry
2: stone of the seattle times was asking quentin jefferson that you could tell that was like the angle of his column i, don't, I haven't read larry's piece yet but you could tell he was kind of like kind of trying to get guys to talk about the fact that like you know you're in this position because you Fucked up, you know, like that. That was basically what Larry was trying to bait guys into saying. It would give credit to Quentin Jefferson. Warren Jefferson was like, Yeah, man, if we'd have just won any of them games against Carolina, Atlanta, or New Orleans, we wouldn't have this problem. But alas, is what it is. We just gotta handle business and just hope for the best. So that's that's I would I would hate that. I would hate to have to go rush to the TV to be like, oh, what's the score? Like today, for example, they needed Minnesota to get it done. Was one player on the team in the locker room? He was like, "Yeah, man, I thought he was like he's like I thought Minnesota Minnesota was going to get it done." I said, "You thought that?
1: (laughs) Have you seen (laughs) any other games?"
2: (laughs) Yeah, you must not have cable, sir. You ain't seen the Vikings? They're not good.
1: I think they. I think all their, but over half their games are one score, if not all of them. The The Vikings are divided by one score. I think
2: they're eleven and zero in one score games, and. They get their ass kicked when they lose. That is they're, an
1: embarrassing 12
2: fact. and four with a negative point differential. Their point differential is like negative 19. Like their point differential is not even like kind of close to competitive. Like they are legitimately, I think, a bad team.
0: Like uh... say that the Seahawks
2: are like road beaters, but I mean, look at this, man. The, the, so for, put, put this in perspective, right? The 49ers are 12 and four. We'll get to Twitter questions after this, I promise. The 49ers are 12-4, and right? Same record as the Minnesota Vikings. The 49ers' point differential is plus 148. The Minnesota Vikings have the same exact Um. record, and their point differential is minus 19. That's insane. That means you've won 12 games and lost four, yet you have still been outscored by your opponents on the season let That's me let me do
1: some i'm going to do some math for you real quick before we get to the twitter questions because this is fascinating and all four of their losses, right? So they got destroyed by the Eagles 24-7, all right? That's minute the game I believe, yeah. So 24 plus their next loss was to the Cowboys 42-3, 24. And then they seven. lost to the Lions by That's 11. 4 so they lost to the Lions, so that's 34. And then today they got shellacked by, I think, 24. So, plus 41. So they've given up 115 points in those games that they've lost. And you know how many points they scored?
2: <laughs> oh, man, we do a lot of math today.
1: <laughs> all right, so 115. You're doing so all this
2: math, by the way. I'm not counting
1: anything. You're good. Hey, I'm. it's all good, Mike. That's why I'm here. So, put up 17 today, backtracking. I guess I should have did it all once, but Seven against the Eagles. So seven plus 17 is what, Mike? 24. 24. Look at that. Look at that. Then they get dusted by, uh, not dusted by Detroit. So 23 plus 20. Okay. What's 24 plus 23, Mike? 47. Ooh, getting it, getting it. 47. And where's that? Oh, three points. So fifty, so fifty to one fifteen, and those four losses. Yeah, man, they be getting this shit boat raced, man. Like they're not a good team,
2: dog. Like they're really not. Like I think, I think every, there's so many teams in the NFC. I think that are better than Minnesota, but Minnesota handled business and one. You know, I was telling somebody, I forget which player it was. I uh, know, I remember now. It was after the Rams game. I was like, look, man. It wasn't a pretty one because the player is on defense. Like, it's not a pretty one. But look, man, when they show your record on the little screen, it don't got no context. It just says you won or you lost. That's what the Vikings did, It just shows that they were 12-4. That's it. They've earned that. Mm. Uh, that you know, the Seahawks have, have not. They ain't neat. They they play like an 8-8 eight eight team. 8-8 eight and eight yeah. teams are pretty inconsistent. Can they be consistent one more time? And then have the Lions go to Lambeau.
1: Lambo <laughs> And win All right, game. good luck.
2: <laughs> yeah, God, Godspeed, Godspeed. By the time this show comes out, we'll know what time that game is. I imagine those games will be at the same time. So one o'clock. Like, yeah, something like that, one o'clock Pacific, probably. We'll, we'll see.
1: We'll see, exactly. All right, Mike, we do have Twitter questions. We want to thank each and every single one of you guys out there, ladies and gents, for taking the time to ask some questions. We're going to go through them here. Mike, are you ready? Yes.
2: Yes, I am. Let's do it.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Let's kick this off with Justin. He is curious. Seahawks... Well, actually, was this the Seahawks playing balance and winning or were the seahawks just playing against a bad team a little bit of both the jets are bad but they have good players at
2: certain positions that makes you know it, they don't just roll over like garrett wilson is having oh garrett wilson when he hit the under huh yeah yeah that was a good over under uh yeah garrett wilson hit the under you know why because the seahawks played him well you know um mike white was also just bad mike white is not good um yeah, I thought that, you know, they did, they did some good. They ran the ball. Well, that's a good front. Yeah. They ran, they ran all over. So I thought I thought the balance definitely helped. I thought just there is something to the effect. Like, uh, Kobe Parkinson spoke on this, too. I don't know how where our listeners are on, like, the idea of, like, momentum is real. But my general stance on, on momentum in football and basketball, there the were two main sports that I watch. Um Momentum from week to week can be a little fluky. But I think that momentum in-game is very real. You know, it's like, moment, it's like in, in the heat of the moment with adrenaline going and like that, that, that is very, real. I, I, I don't think that anyone should dispute that. I know people do, but whatever. So there's something to that. There's something to breaking the 60 yard run on the first play. Like that, there's something to that for real. And then scoring two plays later. And then the Jets next drive ending in an interception and the Seahawks just like that. They're up 10, nothing like the inverse happened in the Panthers game. What were they down? 17, nothing or something like that to start the game. Was that the game where Geno's first pass was a pick?
1: Yeah, JC yeah. Horn just exactly
2: the inverse. Look, exactly. That. That's that's a great example. The first possession of that game, I think the Panthers go down and score. Then the Geno's first play is a pick, and then the Panthers score again. So it's just like right then you're already down. You know, there's, there's something to that mentally. Um, so I think that that them getting out to a lead in the way they get out to the lead. You know, I think all of that stuff is was like legitimately just good execution. A lot of stuff they did today was executing really well. I say this without having watched the film, but I could see a lot of that stuff um, just being at the game. So yeah, I think they executed really well. Were they were more balanced? Um, They rushed the passer a lot better. They they made the other team one dimensional for the first time in God knows how long. You know, they hadn't done that since the Chargers game, maybe maybe the Cardinals game, the second time around. So I think that that is all legit and the jets are not very good particularly at quarterback like i i feel like people did the narrative with the jets the last like month or so is like it's a shame that the quarterback situation sucks because there's this team is like a quarterback away jets are not a quarterback away they're a few things away you know and they, they need to get Brees hall healthy get some get some line healthy stop playing george fan at right tackle put him on the left where he belong you know this is this get it yeah, get a quarterback they got a lot of problems um but, yeah, they,
1: they stink, and the Seahawks played well. I think both of those things are true. If the C- This is from Michael McNewhouse. If the Seahawks play like this in the postseason, will it be enough to win games? I will say this. The answer is you can win a game for sure. <laughs> I think whoever gets the seven
2: seed is going to beat the hell out of Minnesota. In that playoff
1: game. We talked about Minnesota enough, huh?
2: <laughs> I just, I just, I've just never seen a team like this where you're so fraudulent, but your record is just the opposite. 12 and four with a minus 19 point differential. That's crazy. Anyway.
1: That's 115 that. to 50. Remember that. Yeah, this ain't
2: the point differential podcast, but you guys <laughs> uh um, Although point differential pod would, that does have a ring to it. Yeah, uh, I think. About Uh-oh. It. Uh, but I do think they can, The the Seahawks, if they play like this, it could get in, like, go to Minnesota and win that. I really don't – I don't think that's an issue. If you had to go to, like, Dallas, which I think can still be the two-seed, if the Eagles lose again, I think that's a possibility. I think the Niners can still be the two-seed as well. Like, those two teams would be a little bit harder to – do, even if you play like this, because if you play like this, you're still going to have to throw the ball with some effectiveness. And the Seahawks did a little bit of that today, you know, but – It's it's tough sledding in those secondaries that those guys got. Although Jared lit up the Niners today, so what do I know? Uh, What do I know? I didn't watch that game, but I saw the box score. I said, dang. So games, plural? Probably not. But you can definitely get to the divisional round playing like this. You can. can If you can, particularly the run defense, because there's just so many teams that aren't equipped to just drop back a bunch. In the AFC, there's some teams equipped to do that the Jags the Bengals the Bills the Chiefs all of those teams can just put the put as currently constructed can just put the game on their quarterback for just any given Sunday maybe not for 17 weeks straight but just like all right hey quarterback go win it for us every team I just named their quarterback can go do that at least I I am projecting on Trevor's part um but still hell the Chargers too you know so the NFC though I don't really see I don't even necessarily see that with the Eagles I see it a little bit with the Cowboys. Um, but for the most part, like it's tough. Brady can do it, too, but usually don't. He's, he just waits the second half to do it now. Not sure why. Um, so yeah, you can win a game like this, but you're going to you're going to eventually have to be much more complete on offense to, to win games, plural. But I do think this was encouraging. though. You can this was the type of performance you can go to Minnesota and win like this. Help me, Chris, me, you and nine of the guys be fine at Amazon. In a warehouse can probably go
0: <laughs>
2: to <laughs> Minnesota uh,
1: and, and win a game in a couple weeks, man. That team's a joke. Speaking of Brady real quick, I think he's pulling a LeBron. He's waiting until the – right before the postseason to turn it up a little bit to get ready for the, for the big run. That's what Tom Brady's doing. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to turn it up these last two games right before the big playoff run because we're going to have a home game now that we have the NFC South locked up. Obviously, have to win next week. So that's what he's doing. He's taking a page at LeBron's book: just chill, coast throughout the regular season. Don't play great. Come towards the end, you start dropping buckets and now turning it up. So maybe that's what he's doing. Next question comes from Chris Leeper: Do you think it's better to sneak into the postseason or get a higher draft pick since this team isn't a realistic Super Bowl contender?
2: Yeah, I think. Well, the way to be a Super Bowl contender is to make the playoffs, right? So like. And once you get in there and you can you mess around and win that first game, anything can happen. Um I don't think they would rally to the Super Bowl, but like I do think we've seen some fluky Super Bowl runs, you know. Both of the Giants runs with Eli, I want to say were fluky. One of them was for sure. I think the first one. The second one, I can't really remember. I think they were like a much better team that second time around, but still, still fluky. Uh let's see. Hell last year the Bengals was fluky as hell. I don't like we're giving enough credit for that that was a fluky run to the to the to the Super Bowl. Um they ain't making
1: it back this year. No, they might.
2: The Bengals are good now. No, like this year if they make it it won't be fluky, but their last year last they year ain't was making it. it. That 2017 Eagles team pretty fluky. Um so yeah, it's not like always the best team just walks through that like ask anybody who's a Saints fan. They'll tell you having the best roster does not mean you will make it. The Saints were the best roster in football from 2017 to 2020. Never even, I don't even yeah, they never made a Super Bowl. In that in that run so you always want to get in because you once you get in the dance everybody's zero zero man nobody's point margin really matters at that point no more like it's you know um so you always want to get in the dance it's always um you always want more games to evaluate your players to see where you're where you're uh especially playing against good opponents to see where your your holes are i mean you have a 17 game sample as well but you just you know the more the more game evaluation it's good recruiting free agents too. You know, guys want to go to winning cultures, you know, like with Chen who came here because he felt like he's up for a winning culture, you know. So, um, like, that's always good too. I also said this before, just logistically, I really don't think the difference
1: between pick, what pick would they have right now, Chris? Four and, let's say, four and 17. Something sounds like about, that. Sounds about right. Let um, me see if I can pull it up real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, like
2: something like that. I think the difference team pick like 17, 19, whatever, and pick thirteen. The, the The difference is not that big to me. It's it's really not. So I think that that that's that's always been a weird thing for me. It's like yeah, Mike, let's what if if we lose? Well, fuck it, we get picked. We get a higher pick. Like ah, eh, different team pick twelve or thirteen is not you know between pick 19 or 20, you can get good. The players in that range are all pretty comparable. There's a difference between pick two and pick 18 for sure, but not between pick 18 and pick 13. You know, those, those five or six, seven, like anybody getting picked from 12 to about 22, probably about all the same caliber of, of player, generally speaking. Um, so I, I, I think you should, you should, you want to get in, you want as many games as possible to evaluate Geno for sure. So you got to make a real call on that. So you want as many games as possible for to see, you know, you want all the data you can on that dude in particular. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you you always want to sneak in, man. Everybody's zero zero when they get to the dance. Uh, yeah, and and if they don't make the playoffs, it just it just shows that they have more holes than pick thirteen is gonna fix. You know, I know that also makes the picks higher in subsequent rounds of the draft, but we're really talking about the first round here. Um, so. Yeah, I think you, you always want to get in, man. You definitely want to get in. There's other reasons, too. Culture, locker room, all that stuff. But we're just talking about practical. Just make it strictly
1: about draft and stuff. Yeah. Draft and free agency. Yeah, you want to get in. This next one is from Brayden. And this is looking at the C- the future of the Seahawks. If Geno is re-signed, do you think the Seahawks can tend for a Super Bowl in the next two to three years? Or should they probably look at drafting a quarterback to stack what you no, now?
2: I think I think the window is now I think the window Low key 2022 was the year to do it Like the, the NFC is not scary I thought the Eagles were scary They are but not like as scary as I thought um, I know they've been playing without Jalen Hurts But still um, I think that this was the year To really do it Which is why I was not like a big fan of trading Russ initially um, Just because I was like man If you're going to take a step back This is the wrong time Like the NFC has got some Some holes all the teams are the good teams in the AFC the scary teams no scary teams in the NFC so that's still holding true as you can see you know so I think that next year is the like the chips need to go all in for real for real next year Um uh, I don't think you can just rely on that draft I think you're gonna have to you need you need to come out of that draft with like just like you did this one like three four players who are helping you right now and you need to nail free agency, get another like Chenna Nuosu, like steal. Um, like you need, you need to do that again. Cause I think in 2023, like next year's season, they can make that push, man. The window is now you can make it so Gino doesn't cost you a ton. You've got a lot of young talent. You got young talent at key positions, like young corners, young rookie, young tackles. Um, I mean, Chenna and DT are about, I think Chenna just turned 26 dt turns 26 uh so like you got young you got young edge guys you know your receivers are straight dk tyler you should obviously get some depth behind them but just generally speaking you have a good little foundation here like no one's like due up for a big contract really this is it so i think you keep Gino. you try to build you try to get lucky in some draft steals i think 2023 is when you try to like, really be that team. Maybe you make a big splashy trade. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but if you just try to just naturally slow grind this, like, okay, man, if everything falls right, 2024 is our year. Now, nah, fuck that. You got to go 2023 thinking we can be in the Super Bowl. I know they think that this year, but like, fast forward to next season. That's really when the push should be. After that, you got to pay some guys. Some guys will be like deep into the 30s. Like, so it gets a little weird at that point. But I think this season, next. Like, teams should just be looking two years at a time, really. Anything longer than that, who knows? But, yeah, I think 2022 was really at a time, but since that probably won't happen, 2023. That's when all the chips should go in. Because I do think they they got a shot to get there. And remember, when I say that, I'm focusing totally on the NFC. I really don't give a shit about what's going on in the AFC. To win the Super Bowl, you only have to beat one AFC team. To get to the Super Bowl, you have to beat, like, three NFC teams. Right? So I think that that's that's how you view your team you should view your team by your conference mostly in terms of like how legitimate of a quote-unquote contender we are like the seahawks don't have to worry about the bills the, the Bengals, the chiefs i think it's a super bowl a they got the super bowl b they only got to play one of them you know so i think that the 2023 nfc ain't the scariest thing in the world so
1: next year is really the window this is from Jeff. Do you think CJ Stroud's strong performance against an elite Georgia defense could have turned some heads in Seattle? you goddamn right that did. Was it, who asked that
2: question? What was their name? Jeff. Jeff, you goddamn right. I watched that game too. CJ was balling. Bryce Young balling too. I don't know if it was enough to like say, all right, man, we got to roll with, we got to draft this guy. Um, in part because he probably won't be there because the Texans saw it too. <laughs> Texans, probably like, that's probably why the Texans got their ass kicked. Lovey Smith talking about, yeah, we're trying to win. You're not really worried about job positioning, you know? No, no, no. Just, somebody made a call from upstairs in Houston, boy. They saw CJ Stroud and said, "We're gonna get this number one pick, Lovey, one way or another, brother." Uh, they got smoked by the Jags. So, yeah, I think I, I I'm sure it turned heads, you know, because that's a still a legit question, do they? Because the the Seahawks don't ever plan on being drafting this high naturally again. At the, they didn't plan on drafting high Just anyway Denver just stunk You know just wildly out of nowhere So you have to keep that into account too Are we going to ever be in this position again To get a quarterback this high So that's it's still part of the math for them I just I, I don't think CJ played well enough to, For you have to do that I don't think Geno plays bad enough For you also to think that you got to replace him um, But yeah he turns miss For sure for sure that kid he was he was balling he was balling man um it's also that shows you the impact to like a quarterback has versus everyone else because cj is probably legit, legitimately probably not even the best player in that game mm-hmm. but he's gonna he he had the biggest impact because of his positions kind of spoke to positional value a little bit so yeah I, I think he turned some heads but not
1: quite enough to say we gotta take that guy if he's there this one is from jimmy at jimmy underscore lee one Vita Bea is an all-world defensive tackle and was drafted 12th overall. Is number three too high for Jalen Carter?
2: I love this question. And it's something that we're gonna have to explore this offseason as well because he was also in that in that game, um, against Ohio State. And you didn't feel his impact as much. Um, uh, there's no knock on him, but it's just like it's just kind of hard to make those splash plays from the interior, man. You do so much dirty work on those uh in that in a particular position um and the thing about interior linemen when it comes to the draft is that when you're drafting them that high like top five you really want to get an interior lineman who's going to be on your field when it's winning time your two minute situations um just late the late game situations so here's how this is a short version of how i can break this down for the seahawks perspective i think if you're going to take an interior defensive lineman if it's jalen carter whoever else um with the top five pick, they have to be someone who could be in your cheetah package. So the Seahawks, I don't know if we talked about this in the pod a lot, but we have. the Seahawks, the Seahawks uh, rush package when there's third down or two minute third and third and long. Excuse me, in particular, they put out four guys, the four best pass rushers for the most part. Like right now, their starting cheetah package is Quentin, Shelby, um, Shelby or Puna, Quentin, Shelby, uh, DT and Chenna usually. And the two interior guys, they use like three technique type of guys who can rush from the interior. So they're always on the field for the two minute dime package, all that stuff. If you're gonna take an interior guy, you got he's gotta be a guy who can be on that group. And, I, and ideally he challenges to be on that group as a rookie. Like he's potentially in your cheetah package, cheetah one, what you call it, or one cheetah. That's how they call it. So I think that's the the math you have to do. Like a Vita Ver is pop, like he he can get there, but you're, you're you're drafting him more for early downs and short yardage which is super valuable as the Seahawks have learned <laughs> you get your ass kicked the early downs it don't matter what your cheetah package is um uh, but I think that if I'm gonna take a guy that high I just want him to be a type of guy who's going to be on the field in those situations when we're trying to get off on third down uh and we're trying to stop someone on two in two minute late game whatever you know I think that that's That's the math I I went with a top five pick Outside of that That's where maybe I feel comfortable Drafting like a more traditional Nose-ish Or even like a Someone like maybe even Jaron Reed's size Vita Vea, Al Woods' size Brian Monet, Jordan Davis The guy that just took from the Eagles um, The the DT out of Georgia from last year's draft Uh, Fletcher Cox Style would Fletcher Cox go 12th I think um, in 2012 so like that range I'm okay with it and All all these guys are guys who can eventually rush the pasture but, but like I said the window is now so uh, I think that or at least if the window is through next year so I think that that's that's an interesting discussion I want to revisit maybe talk to some guys who know it more be- better than me but from my opinion I think the top five you only take that guy if he's going to be on the field when it's when it's winning time other than that go get it go get an interior defensive lineman later uh in the draft for my money that's what i would do
1: this next one comes from eric at tweets are dumb does the run defense come down to having a healthy al woods tweets are dumb yes they are yes they are uh
2: yes and no just playing al has so much value um but i mean other guys are making plays today too shelby harris cody barton chenna like today in particular knocking out their run game was a team effort but you know what what al does just having another body like yeah he'll eat up double teams and stuff but like he has those like i'm a grown-ass man plays every once in a while like there was a play today i think they gave up an explosive run and al thought he got held i don't know if he did i haven't watched it like two like the next snap or two snaps later al just takes number 66 and throws him to the ground and tackles the the right then says no 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 yeah you know just just one of those you know on this particular snap i'm gonna kill some like that's what because he can do that he's that strong you know shelby harris does that every once in a while too and a that's just a, it just ignites your whole defense but the other part about that um is it just it keeps other guys fresh too you know you had a lot of miles adams playing you know nose tackle and Puna a playing nose tackle the last few weeks and they can do that but this just keeps those guys fresh kind of better at what they're doing
1: um uh-huh
2: whatever what they're like their games are tailored to you know being penetrators not just like catching blocks and eating up you know gaps and stuff like that a guy like Miles got like Puno, those guys are going forward that's what that's how they get busy and when Al's in there they can just focus more on, on that so yeah Al, Al being out Al was a really big loss it's not like I could write about it a ton I was working on other stuff but yeah you can't overstate what losing Al does to that defense and then losing Brian Monet Jesus Christ it's double whammy um, but yeah, Al's a big part of this um, And Jalen, if if Al, I, don't, I think it was Al, 35 or something Like if Al doesn't want to play after this year Like a Jalen Carter, that's not a replacement for Al um, You need a big nose To replace To replace an Al, man That dude, he he plays a big part But I think the other big part today was just tackling better Usually when you get an explosive run Somebody misses a tackle yep. That's usually how, how it works So like when I talk to uh are they talking to? Kobe Bryant I was talking to Kobe last week about how they didn't love any explosive runs against the Chiefs. And I was like, How'd you guys do that? He was like, Man, we just was playing together, man. Like, just not having the little mistakes. I was like, Yeah, I guess that's that's true. A lot of your guys' runs, usually someone misses a tackle, and then a four-yard run becomes a 40. He was like, Exactly. It's like we just didn't have any of those. And that's how we did it. I was like, Yeah, makes sense. Look at the 22-yarder today. I think it was Quandre missed the tackle. Um, the guy runs between two yards, boom. So I think that's that was also part of it they just tackled a lot better and everyone decided i ain't gonna be the dude to miss a tackle boom no explosives another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select
0: devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: This next one comes from at Cade Ashby. Felt like Daryl Taylor really stepped up Sunday. Was it a scheme or matchup thing or did he just happen to have a great game? It's
2: a great question. So I went, I saw this question before we recorded and I went back and watched all three sacks. Um, And so the first sack, that one was legit. He got a great get off. I want to say it was like third and 16 or something like that. Let me look real quick. I think it was like third and 16. It was a a third down for sure. Uh, First sack, Mike White sacked, split, but yeah, third and 16. So third long. Great get off, flies right by the right tackle. I think it was George Fan Gets to Mike White. Great play. The next one, it's like the last play of the first half, and Mike is just holding on to the ball forever because he's trying to make a play and then dt is able to come all the way around strip sack him. it's a good play but it's not like i'll put it this way there's a guy he does a a a newsletter he's a he's really good with breaking down offensive and defensive lines Nate brandon thorne it's called like trench warfare a really good o-line analyst guy you've probably seen me quote him before in stories he charts out sacks like he he, uh breaks them up like there's low quality sacks clean up sacks high quality sacks And you guys all know these type of things. Like, you know, if if you're just coming in to clean up somebody else's mess and you get a sack, or if you take a left tackle, shove his ass into the ground and tackle the quarterback, high-quality sack. You know what I mean? Like, DT had, like, a high-quality sack today. Then he had, like, a a low-quality sack, you know, coming around. That third one, Mike White holds the ball forever, floats all the way out to the right, and then just gets dropped. Those are all still great plays by DT. I'm just saying it's not the, the it's not like the game Max Crosby had you know against the Seahawks. That was just dominance or even the one Jadavian Clowney had a couple years ago for the Seahawks against the Niners like the, or like how Nick Bosa plays every week where he, for him and Michael Parsons and TJ Watt just take turns just being these forces of nature where you're just moving linemen out of the way beating them with pass rush moves like I think that's that's way different. Um so I think it wasn't like a scheme change. They didn't do anything else to free him up. Like, he had, Daryl had some good rushes. But I think that when you go back and look at each sack individually, you'll see, like, oh, okay, like the circumstances here were a little, little unique to that play, especially like the last one he got. In a written, a normal, if that play was in the third quarter, Mike just throws that out of bounds and they do the next play. Instead, he has to hold on to it because it's the final play of the game. You know, same thing at the end of the first half. If that was in the third quarter, Mike just throws it out of bounds, lives, to play another down. Instead, he's like, "Oh, I got to make a play. Hold on to it. it." Takes a sack. So, shout, DT. He had a good game. He had a really good game. Um, he had a really cool uh, off-white sweater on uh, after the game, too. It was like green fur. It was like, it was like it was like the Grinch, but Fashion Week in Paris. It was like a great combo. Uh, anyway, he had a great game, but it it it. Just in terms of beating the man across from it, it's probably not as dominant as you would think when you look at the box score and see a guy had three sacks. But hey, shout out to him, though.
1: Yeah, yeah career high in sacks now. This next one comes from Josh Walby. Is DK in cold weather a problem? Excuse me. Or was he just bad on Sunday?
2: Yeah, I think DK can catch in cold weather, guys. Um, caught just fine last week. <laughs> cold as hell uh in kansas city no i just i just think it wasn't a good day it's it it just wasn't i mean part of that goes to the secondary man like dj and salsa for real that's the best cornerback tandem in the league man it's it's them and then it goes dj Darius slay and james bradbury in philly those are the like those tandems are for real Was legit on both sides uh and so i think that had a a part of it but the other thing is too uh with dk i mean and chris have talked about this too dk is a body catcher um and he can go up and get stuff but he's more comfortable with his, with his body like a lot of guys are. um but sometimes you got to go out there and just snatch them joints um and if you don't you know it doesn't work out uh and the, the drop on the deep ball you just got to catch that,
1: that no excuse there out.
2: yeah he he cuffed it the way you would do it on on that particular route um the way they were covering it so yeah he just just didn't have a good day he's had days like this before um uh, cardinals he didn't have a great like it's fine i'm not worried or anything it's not like a hot take Always oh, he's bad and cold i don't think it's nothing like that he just didn't have it didn't have a great day against I, I tweeted this morning that or i put on instagram that sauce and the sauce and Tariq were the two best corners in football this year and people hit me up i'm like yeah man look at them dude did y'all see sauce today did you see Tariq today them dudes are very good both of them uh so now i don't think it's a it's a cold thing uh for DK, he just didn't have he just didn't have a, a very good day, which is fine. Which is probably why he didn't want to talk after the game. I walked up, like hey, yo, DK, what's up, man? You got a second? He was like, nah. I was like, alright, good talk. And walk right. On. That was after a win. That's the first time he's never wanted to talk after a win. Like but, you said, didn't have a great game. Nah, it didn't didn't. Have, I just wanted to ask him about how getting the run game going helped the team. I didn't really care about asking. Him. I probably would have asked him about the sauce matchup. Never mind, never. Mind. I would have asked. him. <laughs> I would have had to.
1: So never. Mind. But it's fine. I
2: don't take that shit personally.
1: This next one comes from Michael Scott. How does Jordan's injury change the strategy in the upcoming draft? It's another good.
2: All our draft questions today were really good. Um, it is a fascinating one. Because I was thinking about that when I was leaving. I was like, dang. If Jordan – now, granted, right now when Chris are recording, I don't, we don't know. And Chris, I don't think you've seen any tweets about what actually is wrong with Jordan. Let me double check, but okay. I haven't now. Yeah, the way he was holding his knee and the way he planted it, it sucks – I've seen enough football injuries to guess that he probably ruptured his patella or he blew his ACL. Both would be really bad. It could be some MCL, PCL stuff, too. I'm not a doctor, but that would stink. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, dang, they. I was walking out of the stadium today. I was like, oh, shoot. They probably really got to resign Cody now. Because before, like, resigning Cody was probably like an up and air thing. You didn't really know. Now you probably have to, you know, just because you need someone who can, you, as whatever happened to Jordan, you. probably one of them things where you probably can't count on him being back week one it's very least you probably can't count on him making it back by training camp that's just tough i mean some guys can that's just really everyone everyone every guy is different i gotta know more about the specifics of it but like some stuff like what it took to trade brown like a year off patella you know some guys take a year off acl that's just tough so hopefully it's not that bad but to answer the question i think that probably if it's severe, Cody, Cody coming back is probably a guarantee um, now, because you just need someone to call your signals and that knows your defense, you know, um, has some chemistry with Clint Hurt, all that stuff. Like you just you probably need that. And yet it probably on your draft board, probably it honestly first before that it, it ups your free agent priority too. Like if there's an inside linebacker in free agency, you probably gotta go pay that guy. Put him next to Cody. Um, you know, uh just to just because you don't know what's going on with JB's uh, knee. And then uh, in the draft situation, it probably ups your, you probably can move inside linebacker on your list of priorities, like ahead of something like interior offensive line. Like if there's a stud, in, like let's say you're at pick 38 or whatever the hell you're going to get from Denver or you pick 40 something, you know, in the second round and you love like a right guard, you know, but you're also like, man, I love this inside linebacker from Purdue or something. probably take the linebacker at this point now because of the injury like that's i guess that's the way to answer this It's situations like that hell maybe even a center like you could really like a center in the second round but if there's that linebacker on the board i'd probably take the linebacker now um because depending on how how bad jordan's injury is i hope it's not too bad but yeah so dang yeah that that changes a lot i was i was literally thinking about this when i left the building today i was i said that out loud i was like dang it changes a lot you know if he, if he's hurt so or if he's hurt seriously so hopefully jordan's okay but yeah this this jumps interior linebacker up your free agency board and up your free agent board probably ahead of like i said interior offensive line but not quite ahead of
1: um interior d-line or edge this next one comes from mookie alexander considering the town on the jets d-line was this one of the better performances by the seahawks o-line this season yeah mookie's a frequent question asker too shout out yep mookie um
2: yeah this was a really good performance up front because that's where it's the jets quote-unquote that don't matter when you're talking about that defense because that defense is good as you can see Like, there's a reason they don't give up many points. where
1: they give up 18 something a game? Just under 19 points per game. Yep. And and today they gave up 23. 23. And how many times did the Jets or did the
2: Seahawks start a drive in Jets territory? Like, twice? You know? So, like, that's Again, we talked about the red zone stuff today. That defense is legit. So, yeah, I thought that was a really good performance. Um, the the way they threw the ball against the Rams was also really good in that same regard because the, their, their defense had been really stingy with points and with allowing explosives. And the, the Seahawks were able to get both points and explosives um, against them. So I thought that was really impressive. Um, excuse me. Shutting down Saquon Barkley was also impressive too. Um, I thought that was a really good game in week eight just in terms of Adjusting for how good the opponent was And looking at the performance I think that was good Yeah, I can't think of many other performances Just looking at it from that view Were, were better uh, Not allowing any explosives um, To the Chiefs run game was good Because the Chiefs really do a lot of stuff with their run game They just hand it off in between the tackles And stuff like that um, So I thought that was really impressive But this this was probably more impressive uh, At least we talk about just a matchup With another team's front seven Again, shutting down Saquon that was probably that's probably up there uh as well but yeah this is this might be this might be the best performance by them in that regard like i thought they pr- they protected pretty well too like i think gino got sacked four times but like only one of them was a legit oh you got beat like uh chris putting it on the screen now uh for our people who are listening to audio i know you can't see it but like so the play the, the play that we're it's like oh this is legit legit sack it's like it's first and 10 from the 31 in the second quarter just during a two minute drill um and gino drops back to this is a fun little nugget i've learned listening to people who know old line stuff like the, the money spot for a quarterback usually on a drop is about nine nine and a half yards in terms of depth it's usually anything further than that and you're screwing your tackles typically it's probably some Nuances to that that I'm not explaining well, but that's kind of the number that I've been told about nine, nine and a half yards. And on that particular play, Gino gets right to nine yards, which is at the 40 yard line, and then Charles Cross is just beat, just beat by Carl Lawson. Like that's like, oh, you didn't protect really well. Um, but the other ones, one of the like one of those plays, for example, guys, it's a sack, but it's the one where Gino throws it backwards, you know, and it hits the dirt. Well, okay, that's not really nobody's fault. The other one is, uh, you guys can see there was like a little crease. And gino tried to run through it and he couldn't even get there before the line of scrimmage uh got tackled so that was technically a sack right but that wasn't like a protection bust the other one i think it was on the final play or a uh, play late in the second quarter where uh he gino drops back really far um so far that all all uh, stone foresight's guy has to do is turn around and then gino sacked. Like i guess another one that's not like a protection protection issue just how we we're talking about high quality and low quality sacks the same thing applies um when we're talking about seattle's offense so yeah i thought their their front line was good i thought they had like one legit sack where they got to gino um i thought that they got ran all over um the jets front line did so yeah that was wookie's, wookie's on to something there but other than shutting down saquon i think that this was probably it's probably one of their their better performances because saquon's real deal and they held him to nothing so yeah this
1: this is a good day this next one comes from Chris Jenkins. I saw that Green Bay wins and they're in. What is the tiebreak record in the conference? How does it work out, Mike? Yeah, so my understanding is that
2: the the Green Bay have the the uh the tiebreaker because they have conference record advantage over Seattle. So right now Seattle is 5 and 6 in conference, Green Bay is 6 and 5, so mm. if both if both of them finish 6 and 6, uh, well, okay. The issue is if they tie, Green Bay has more conference wins. Um, so let's say Green Bay beats Detroit next week, but the Rams also the Seahawks also beat the Rams. The Seahawks would be nine and eight. The Packers would be nine and eight. But the Packers would be seven and five in the conference, whereas the Seahawks would be six and six against the NFC teams. So, which is unfortunate because it didn't have to be like that. You didn't <laughs> have to be five and six in the conference, you know. So. Yeah, beating a team like the Jets helps you, but you know, beating a team like the Broncos is great. You know, beating a team like the Chargers is great. But those are AFC wins, you don't want to get smoked in the NFC. You know, because this can come to bite you. If anything, like if they were going to get swept by an entire division, should have got swept by the AFC West. Like like for real, that would that's a good one. Yeah. Instead, they end up going two and two against the AFC West, and then end up going zero oh and four against the NFC South. Well, there you go. That's how you, you lose control of your, your, destiny there. So yeah, that's, that is why the Packers are, uh, in a win and in scenario, which is crazy because the Packers ain't good. <laughs> you know, I don't know how good the Seahawks are either, but yeah, the Packers are clicking at the right time and now they are in a win and in scenario. I think the last time the Seahawks were in like this situation, it was 2017, um, Oh uh, yeah, because I was talking to Quentin Jefferson He was like, man, I've only missed the playoff once in my career I ain't trying to do that again And it was that 2017 season Where, remember Christy the, uh, They needed, I think they needed Like the Panthers to beat the Saints And the Seahawks needed to beat the Cardinals and I think like Blair Walsh Missed a kick or something like that He missed a lot of kicks that year okay. uh, I think Blair I think Blair misses a kick So they ended up finishing 9-7 and versus 10-6 and But it wouldn't have mattered Because I think the Saints beat the Panthers um, so or they the Saints beat somebody. I think it was the Saints. So yeah, you don't want to be in those win and get some help. You just want to be in the win and end scenario. And they're not now. Um, which sucks, man. That just even if you just beat the Panthers. The Panthers, dog, they lost the Panthers are like six and ten.
1: I think they had five wins coming into that game, but regardless, to your point, the Seahawks just needed that win. So yeah, it was lesson learned. It was, hopefully it was,
2: yeah, man yeah
1: no, nah. chris if they make the playoffs man you got to come to minnesota with me that'd be fun oh god that just sounds cold <laughs> and terrible uh, <laughs> from the comfort of my home and we can yeah. just we'll do it like we always do <laughs> minnesota in january man if anything, I'll come down to the owner meeting or something, do a pod there. That would be great because where's the, isn't that in Florida or is that, does it change it, every year? It,
2: it rotates. Yeah, it's in Phoenix this year.
1: See, now that's, you know, hey, Chris, you want to come out the owner's meeting? You know what? Why not? We'll pod from there after the meetings and everything. Great. sunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't, uh, do did we have a question? That's one I, I we do have one. Yeah, something similar to that. What is it? Uh, run, run it to me. I'll save it for the last. I won't forget. Oh, I thought that was, okay. What well, else? No, fine. I'll save it it's coming up this one comes from tony k at karate k84 this is about the rookie wall have you ever asked a player or should i say a rookie about a rookie wall and the big difference between college and pros and if so is it the competition increase the amount of games or just the grind of a football player
2: I haven't had any one-on-one conversations about that that I can really remember. They've talked about it in, like, press conferences and stuff. The main thing that guys tell me about their rookie year, just generally speaking, is um, it's not even the amount of games. Guys don't usually—it's not that they can't play a lot of football. They're football players. It's, like, the thing that they're wired to do. The thing that they usually mention is taking care of your body. So I guess that's tied to the amount of games. But (laughs) they—you guys would be surprised (laughs) How poorly these guys are taking care of their bodies in college. It's a bunch of bad foods, no sleep, drinking, and not a lot of exercise. That's why you see, like, if you guys follow some of these kids, just follow the kids from your alma mater when they're training for the draft. And if they go to one of those little training programs that takes a picture of their before and after before their little draft training session, and then after, like right before the combine, they look like freaking John Cena after the the uh, nine weeks. And you're like, wow, how did they transform their whole body in nine weeks? That's because they were eating burgers and chicken wings for four years in college and staying up in the middle of the night and partying and drinking and then playing football. Uh, Now they're not doing at least some of those things. Um, When they get in the league, start taking care of their body. Uh, They get the little Norma Tech boots. They get an ice bath, the hyperbaric chamber, all these other things. And it's just learning that and getting a routine down. Because a lot of these guys, like some college guys don't even watch film. Reaction i think it was jordan brooks i've asked jordan and dk this on the record too during press Like, how much film did you watch in college yeah not a lot
1: um you know Hell, dk I'd, still says they gotta watch me i'm just like i feel you man yeah no it's, <laughs> dk watches film but <laughs> absolutely yeah jordan does too like but the
2: increase is legitimate and like i said this is just, I'm not spilling secrets so like these guys have said this stuff on camera uh so that's the big thing that guys have talked about is watching film and taking care of your body um and the, the so it's not even like a rookie wall the, the, the physical part um in terms of just knowing how to like all right how do how do i spend my monday after a road game how do i spend my monday after a home game all right i'm on the injury report with this how do i take care of that what time do i get massages do i get acupuncture do i do a little thing with the suction cups you know the, the swimmers do or whatever like do i do that do you know do i do, I do yoga do i take what at pilates you just have to find your routine that works for you. How to how to recover? How to deal with a Thursday night game? Coming back off a short week off a Monday night game? All of those things are what rookies usually guys usually tell me about in their first or second year or or, or whatever. Some of it is a physicality bump um, a little bit, but for the most part, that's the thing guys point to. Like I learned how to take care of my body. Um, yeah, that that's the main thing. Usually that comes with a diet as well. Guys cut out a lot of foods because in college they're eating like shit. That's <laughs> the main thing.
1: This one comes from Sam at Sammy C521. How One. How'd your fantasy teams do? I lost the championship due to my heavy Philadelphia, Minnesota team, but he still got money for the regular season and second place. Do you want to go first? We're in, the, we're in a league together. Well, yeah, the league that Mike and I are in together, I'm going to finish either eighth or fifth. It was not my year. I had yeah. too many too many games where Derek Henry, Derek Henry or Nick Chubb just had terrible run games. Terrible. And then I also lost T. Higgins. He played one snap and then was out the rest of the game. So that happened to me earlier in the year. I just had a lot of tough losses due to bad play and injuries. So it happened. It's fantasy. You, you can never... This was not the year. And for some reason, we all laughed at Mike on draft day. And now Mike is in the championship. So Mike right now is... He was favored at... Minus 11. How's it looking for you, Mike? How you, how you holding up? So I am in the championship in our league. Uh, that we're, that's really the only one that really matters now. So let's <laughs> go with
2: that one. Uh, I, was, I was like dead last in two other leagues. But yeah, it was a live draft uh, in this league that Chris and I are in together. And I couldn't make the draft because I was in charge of... A, a, I just got put in charge of a surprise birthday party the morning of the live draft. Um, like live. I mean, we were all at the homies' house before the draft, except for me. Um, and... So I couldn't make it. And I was, so I was texting my picks in to somebody who was there. And I seen him later. He was actually in L.A. for the Chargers game. He was like, yeah, Mike, they were laughing at your picks when you took so-and-so and took so-and-so. I said, excuse me? I was getting laughed at? Hold on. And what do you know? Mike got laughed at. And Mike won, won the regular season, with mostly with guys I drafted, too. I was looking at that. And the only person who was like frequently in my roster that I did not draft is Isaiah Pacheco. That's it. Everyone else is like mostly guys I drafted. Every actually everyone I started today is a guy I drafted. So boom, there's that. Uh I'm down six in the championship right now. Uh, but I have Joe Burrow going on Monday night and my opponent is done. So uh is our championship two weeks?
1: Yes, yeah, two, two weeks. So it's back to back. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. So that
2: doesn't really matter then this week. But well, I should
1: you you want to have a good lead though. It's nice when you're comfortable, like, okay, I'm up by fifty
2: points, all right. Yeah, so I'm I'm probably gonna be assuming bro just does normal bro things. I'll probably be up like 15 points or something like that. Ooh, by the covering the spread by the end of Monday, and then ne- going to next week. I haven't looked, but yeah, I'm probably gonna win this league, You know, so they ain't <laughs> believe me on draft night, but
1: God did. to Cali, man, yeah, man, I'm doing
2: doing great. With my other leagues, don't worry about it. But this league, for,
1: for what it's worth, I won this league last year. So you know, I'm gonna finish hopefully in fifth place, which is you know going from first to fifth, not bad. <laughs> just means you didn't win again that's all so this is, I, this is my year this i my did year, forget man. i did forget one twitter question i'm gonna jump back to before we continue on and this is from steven collins now that you got the chance to see both Tariq and sauce on the same field sunday who gets your defensive rookie of the year and this is because i took a tie last time you got you hit me with this mike so after watching just the game i haven't gone back and watched the film yet which i'll do later throughout the week but I would say right now, I have to give the, the the nod to Sauce. I thought the just how he played on Sunday was really cool to see. He he played really well. He was targeted, and you know what he did? He made a play on the football every time. He almost had a pick, but because Kobe Parkinson put his hand up and tipped the pat the, You remember the overthrow? Was yeah. On the right, yeah. Overthrown. If Kobe doesn't tip it, that's his pick right there but I'd have to give the nod to Sauce just because, damn, that dude is good. Not, not discrediting Tariq and what he did because he had a good game on Sunday, but just the eye test and the fact that I see Tariq every Sunday, I'm going to go with the guy that I don't get to watch all the time, and I don't watch all the time, and that's Sauce. I only see the highlights. I don't sit up there and watch, haven't watched three games of the Jets, let alone two. I only watched one, and that was obviously the previous one to this, one, to this game, but... I would give it to Sauce. I thought he he didn't make too many mistakes, man. Dude was on it today. I, I liked the way he played, and he didn't back down. He did not back down.
2: Yeah, it's 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 it got closer today for sure. Like I actually thought before the game that it was pretty clearly Tariq. Um, I, I thought he was just more impactful in general on the season when targeted, um, and I I think I still feel that way, man. I think it's really just this simple. If it's close, which it is. Like, most of their other numbers are pretty close. I think Tariq has the lower passer rating when allowed. They're about the same in, y- in yards per coverage, snap allowed. Uh, Sauce leads the league in passes defense with 20 now. That's um, crazy. <laughs> Tariq has 15. Um, and
1: six interceptions.
2: Yeah, and then the, that hawk percentage, which is just passive defense divided by targets, Sauce now leads all cornerbacks at 26%, which is nuts. Uh, Tariq is second with 23. Um, so... It's close. If it's close, and one guy has triple the interceptions of the other guy, <laughs> triple the interceptions of the other dude, then yeah, I'm just I'm gonna roll with him. Like he's that's the impact for me. Like for for those five more knockdowns that Sauce has, the other guy has three more, four more interceptions. That that just means that just means more to me. And one of them he took to the house too. um We want to talk about impact, so. Um, think, on the board baby <laughs> exactly so i think that's that's more impact he's been more impactful i think when the ball has been thrown um his way so yeah i think i think it's close but if it's that close like for, if it was flipped the other way no one would be arguing for tariq if sauce had six picks not even close. no one in their right freaking mind would be arguing for for, for tariq if sauce has six picks so let's let's not do that because yeah so I, I still I'm still rolling with Tariq, but yeah, both those I saw the best two corners in football today, I think though. Right there. Yeah. Honorable Mentioned the James Bradbury, too, man. Those those three I think have been head and shoulders. Tier one uh this year. So yeah. yeah. I'm rolling still rolling with Tariq. I think it's really simple. You triple the other guys' interceptions and lead the league. That's the other thing. If if a rookie leads the league in a category like that, they're almost always gonna win. If a running back was to lead the league in rushing touchdowns, he would win Offensive Rookie of the Year. If Boy Mafe led the league in sacks this year, or Aiden Hutchinson led the league in sacks this year, he would win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He'd probably win Defensive rookie, defensive Player of the Year. It wouldn't even matter. You know, if Chris Olave led the league in receiving touchdowns, he would probably win it. Like, corner is no different. If you lead the NFL in picks or as a safety, you probably are going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. You should probably win Defensive
1: Rookie of the Year. So, yeah, I think I Tariq think should and this one comes from Cody Marmon. You know why Tariq got slimed after the game? I, I don't. I didn't know the game was on Nickelodeon. I didn't know that either.
2: I didn't know the game was on Nickelodeon so, until uh, I came in the locker room, and uh, um, Tariq was running through the locker room with slime on him. Uh, I I tweeted a picture of. I had to have, the PR staff told me to delete it because they're jerks, but. Um, it said I broke a rule. No, I didn't. But anyway, uh, I deleted the pick. But yeah, the, Tariq was like running around the locker room, like trying to slime his teammates. He was just draped in it. Uh, so I I don't know. I, I don't know why. And it's funny because I saw that they had Patrick Starr from SpongeBob pregame, but I, I didn't put it together that the game was on Nickelodeon.
1: Oh, that um, makes sense now. I didn't even put one and one yeah, together. Like, I,
2: okay. I, I, I didn't realize till after the game that, yeah, so
1: it was. Man, it was I wonder. Weird. I wonder how much. I wonder what was the all those bad throws. What was on the screen every time a pass was just thrown behind a player?
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm. I've watched I have, one. I watched one of those Nickelodeon broadcasts. I think
1: last year it was like the Saints game. I think. I, yeah, that's the game. Uh, two years ago, one of the one of the, either yeah. war. I I, you think I did watch that. was
2: calling it with like some kid, and I was yeah. just like, "This is. I am not the demographic for this." So I turned it. So I've never watched another one. So it's. Now, I hope people with kids enjoy those, but i do. I say so. They slimed Cody and Cole, excuse me, they slimed Cole B Parkinson and they slimed Tariq. I thought that was, a, I, I cut off my interview with Austin Blythe and turned it. We both turned around like, why is Tariq covered in slime? And we we're like, oh, this game was on Nickelodeon. He didn't, Austin didn't know either. Uh, I was like, this is, I came back to him later like, can we finish the interview, man? My bad. One of your teammates was green. So I had to, <laughs> I had to turn around and stop what I was doing. He was like, yeah, but that was very distracting. He was, running around anyway so uh yeah i don't know why tariq got slimed sorry
1: i think this is the twitter question you were wondering about and talking about how i think traveling wise let me know if this is it or not this is from a good old age mcfly what's your setup on game day prep who you're watching it with sitting next to eating drinking rituals curious what you guys do similar similar or and different on game day give us a peek behind the curtain uh so
2: the morning of the game I don't do shit um all out of my prep is during no a lot of my prep is during the week I'm always on looking up stats I'm watching film of both teams I'm reading the hell out of all the beat writers and seeing what the narratives are um like I do a lot of research on the opponent quite a bit sometimes I forget the names as you guys can see I'll just call a guy a number like oh number 44 is a baller because I'm watching tape usually I can't see all the names and stuff um but I'm pretty up on it uh on a lot of these guys Especially the the good teams Um, On game day So we have a So I'm at the games obviously Um, Game day I'm usually on the road I usually sit next to It's all assigned by the other team So it's not going to be the pick I I usually end up sitting next to Greg Bell Of Tacoma News Tribune Um, Usually also next to someone from the Seattle Times Usually either Matt Calkins, Larry Stone Or Bob Condon Usually the guys that, that travel uh the food spreads always vary. If I go out and kick it the night before in a road game, fill me up with coffee before I kick off just to get to get through. Uh Arizona's food is trash, so I gotta always remember to eat before I go to those games. Their food is garbage. It's that's just as we're stadium in terms of in terms of food. Um home game food spread, Seahawks are pretty good. Uh, I don't eat beef or pork, though, so, like, bacon, uh, so breakfast spreads are kind of tough for me because um, usually then it just means I'm eating eggs, um, which is fine. But, yeah, because usually I got, like, bacon, sausage, and I'm not really eating any of that. Uh, and then, like, French toast is nasty, which I think is what they had today. Uh, the Seahawks got a Starbucks machine in the – or they got a Starbucks lady in the press box, so that's always cool. I don't know how many people know that. But, yeah, a little Asian lady in there whipping up lattes for free you can get like 12 of them joints (laughs) you could be in there just hyped up (laughs) no you can one time one one game i was really tired from the night before and i had like three lattes it was it was like 2019 season i think um 2017 actually i think uh and then at home games it's been rotating years past i would sit next to uh art teal of sports press northwest art has since retired and left me hanging shame on you art uh so now i'm usually sitting next to brady henderson um, of ESPN and then lately I've been sitting next to Dave Bowling if you guys have been reading sports in Washington for a while you know Dave a long time calling this I don't even know who he writes for anymore but he's been at every home game sitting right next to me and actually next to Dave was a little phone it's like a little tribute to John Clayton um I'm sure people have probably tweeted out pictures of it that's that's pretty cool uh but yeah pregame I ain't prepping a damn thing I'm checking my fantasy roster like yo I'm watching scores around the league like that's how you guys notice. i don't tweet many pictures before like they're playing the anthem like i just be be unbothered i be listening to music i'd be talking to people i'd be uh i'd be chilling but yeah that's that's my typical game day setup i usually have like a bunch of advanced like right now let's see me count these tabs i have open from the game one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen i have 14 tabs open on my computer right now uh that's pretty standard during a game. I'm I'm watching everything. Uh, I'm reading tweets. Sometimes I'll be texting Chris. Sometimes I'll be watching the replays. Like, yeah, it's my my setup. My game day setup can be can be a lot. Uh, but yeah, that's my little behind the scenes curtain.
1: Yeah, for me, my prep up into the week is I'll watch film on the Seahawks, obviously, and then if I have enough time, I'll, I'll dive into the other team to see what they're doing because I'd be curious because I just to see. The differences in the offense, what the defense wants to do. That's pretty much how my week sets up. And then on game day, it's, I mean, I'm at the house. So what you do at your crib, I'm doing. I'm eating food, watching the game. My girlfriend's usually here with me. So she just sits there silently. <laughs> doesn't really say much. So it's kind of, you know, she'll just be like, oh, okay, you're watching the game. So she sometimes she will just leave me because I ain't really talking <laughs> much. It's just, I'm just focused in. I'll have my iPad. I'll have my game notes, and I usually go through play-by-play, play just writing down what's going on. And then if I ever want to go back to it, I have it written down. I can see it. And then I'll have the ESPN scoreboard pulled up so I can see, you know, matching up everything, keeping track, seeing the first downs, third down conversions, things of that note. So it's not too crazy. And then, like, during halftime, I'll just, you know, grab something to eat, you know, kick back. Nothing really changes. Go use the restroom. <laughs> I'm literally just chilling. It's nice to be at the crib but there have been times where Mike has come to my house and we've watched the game, or I've gone to Mike's house and watched the game. And that changes because now we're both doing our own setup, but now we have one another to bounce things off of like, Oh, Chris, what were they in that? Was that man or did they blitz or, you know, just whatever's going on. We just have that discussion right then and there. Whereas Mike said, sometimes we just text each other like, Oh, that was nasty or what happened there. But that's kind of the behind the scenes. And like I said, eating and drinking wise, I'm just, I'm like y'all, man, whatever you eating, I'm eating pizza. I'm chilling, you know? And like I said, during halftime, I'll go to the bathroom, get a break in and then that's pretty much it. But that's how my game day goes, man. And those I'm gonna
2: are show, I'm going to show my little note. I, I take notes of every play. This is my notebook from the Jets game. Make notes of like, uh, I know people who listen to audio can't see it, but yeah, like I just, I, I take notes of everything. I'm making notes of when guys got hurt. Like I take notes of when stuff's under center. When stuff's a shotgun play. Uh, this year, I'm always keeping track of when Geno's in pistol or whatever. As well, I'm always keeping track of his Phil Haynes in on this on this drive. Is, is Gabe Jackson in? Is all that you know? the road to, is Michael Jackson in. Is Artie Burns in? Is 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 Jonathan Abraman? Is T. Tabor in? Is, is Kobe is Kobe Bryant in? All that stuff. Uh, down and distance, time on the clock. Like I I'm, I'm tracking everything, and I have a box score up. I got the, they have one, the Seahawks site tracks the game. So I got that stat up. I got next gen stats up. I have three true media tabs up. Uh, There's a stat called NFL Jesus that tracks the oh, game. Yeah, clutch I have data. that up
1: too. Mike, put me yeah. on that one. That's clutch. I got,
2: I got like, I have some, and then Twitter as well. That's why I don't live tweet a ton of details really. Cause I'm every, I'm working a million things so fast. So yeah, my mind's racing a million. Like I just have a million texts when I get back from my phone, like leaving the press box. Like oh somebody, uh, I barely text anybody back uh, during the game because I'm I'm locked in uh, and usually full from eating all day.
1: Well, look, man, those are all the Twitter questions. We want to thank all of you guys out there for them. We appreciate all the love and support. Excuse me. We'll come back with another episode. We're trying to get a special guest for this next one, but we'll see how that how that works out. And then I have some other ideas that I want to pitch to Mike about the off season once it gets here because it's coming. Just don't know when. <laughs>
2: Yes, so we'll have a midweek episode guest to be announced if we can land said said guests. Um, so still working on that. But in the meantime, appreciate you guys for tapping in. As always, uh, Seahawks man to man. You know, uh, follow me on the Tweet Machine. I didn't shout out Elon Musk today. Dang, forgot about. Well, I guess I just did now. So there you go. Shout out to Elon Musk. I'm still verified uh, on Twitter. Don't take it away, Elon, and don't charge me. So yeah, we'll catch you guys midweek show film study on Friday. Then we right back at it. Week 18, season finale. Next Sunday, man. Catch you guys next time. see, you Everything was from a time.